0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Energy Markets podcast. It is January the 22nd, and Brent Crude Oil is trading down a little bit this morning in Asia at $78.24. WTI is about $5 back from that. Uh, And there is a, we come sort of to the last week of trading in January, a month in which the bandwidth for oil has been pretty tight two dollars uh, more or less uh, uh, between kind of 75 and change and, and and 78 or there there are 76 and change and and 78. Uh, but nonetheless pretty tight bandwidth. Omar najia global head of derivatives of BB Energy. Is this market likely to continue in this sort of stable no pulse through February as well? Or what's your outlook?
1: Like maybe.
0: Um,
1: but I think, uh, you know, we're coming up to the end of January, so we've got to start doing something, so we're buying. So uh, um, you have to do something at some point. You can't just sit and uh, on the sidelines and watch. Uh, so I think WTI has like a little burgeoning uptrend If you look at the price action, basically it's definitely sideways, but it keeps having these uh, lower, what we call lower wicks. So, like the a a body of a candle is like you know nice and juicy and fat, but it has like long lower wicks, which means that people don't like selling or holding on to shorts below seventy dollars. So we 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 are we want to we are long. We want to get longer, and I think it's uh, you know we're seeing the same. Uh, kind of pattern for risk assets, uh, namely Bitcoin. We're seeing the same kind of thing for equities. We're seeing the same kind of thing for uh, GBP against USD, for Euro against USD. So I think it's, you know markets are are, are going to make a, a big move to the upside. Those ones. So I think oil higher, Bitcoin higher, and I think uh, GBP against uh,
0: US higher, Euro higher uh etc so we 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 are officially bullish andy Lavin senior partner at econs andy your thoughts on the outlook i mean we've had a month in which you know from a neighborhood point of view the the traumas in the, in in the red sea and 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 the disruption to global shipping lanes and yet the oil market seem to be uh, uh unconcerned meanwhile as as omar points out uh the equity markets are on our tear i think we hit a record on friday on the S&P Dow Jones which obviously is a forward looking outlook this equity markets gives us uh so they're pretty optimistic about the year ahead the oil markets less so how do you square those two circles
2: so
3: i, I think you know to since and I, I agree with with omar the the bit i would say is that in terms of the polit- geopolitics as it were i think it's too complicated for people to get their heads around they don't really know how it's going to uh to play out. So let's just fall back on simple supply and demand. And that's kind of where we are today. Nothing's really changing supply demand. There's a little bit of concern in terms of the demand. But I think what's driving the positivity that that, Omar is talking about is the expectation that the governments will have to intervene if the world doesn't turn positive all by itself. I think we've seen so much almost bad news, going back to COVID times, that the whole world wants to come out the other side, and therefore there is an element of expectation around, about positivity, but it's continually dampened by things like demand issues and oversupply and geopolitics and all kind of complicated stuff that is really difficult to get your heads around.
0: a Barryman, managing partner, Homer Straits Partnership, it feels a little bit like, you know, when in doubt, the market wants to go up. I mean, that's the risk markets. Uh, the the We saw in the fourth quarter a massive end of year rally on the back of the somewhat uh, sort of bearish outlook by the Fed that the end of the tightening cycle was over and, and there was a big optimistic outlook that there was going to be six or seven rate cuts in 2024 uh, and so the market rallied in, in January. We've had the opposite. We've had a sobering up the realization that inflation's still around. The Fed are giving strong signals that they, you know, they're going to be higher for longer. And yet the market still rallies that, you know, the, the opposite news on rate outlook and the market still rallies. What's your analysis on those two contradictions?
2: Indeed, there's a big contradiction there and um, it, um, indicates the outlook for more of what we've had i think over the past few years um a lot of volatility uh and um, and uh, you know there there i see i see these uh, market rallies as um uh, indications that the market expects some type of quantitative easing or some type of um liquidity injection into the markets that will go into the the uh, the components of the index. You know, this is the the, the top of the food chain. Players like uh, Amazon and Google will get their uh, va- valuations pumped up. But I I don't see uh, much in the way of a, of a broader uh, growth outlook for profits in the majority of com- uh, companies uh, in in the real economy.
0: Omar you started you just sort of put your chips on the table so to speak obviously you've been uh, advocating a bullish posture for a while now you've put your money on the table what what's the, the 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 sort of the the magnet pulling the long position we have you know lots of supply we've even overnight the news that libya's largest oil field is coming out of force majeure closure adding 250,000 barrels uh, that's been off the market for the last month. Uh, there, There is kind of, you know, quite a bit of supply, idle supply around and, and not necessarily very strong demand outlooks. China, the biggest oil importer, signaling continued sort of uncertainty there. Where do you see the sort of the, the long the, the long hook to hang your hat on?
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, the the stuff with Libya, nobody expects if basically there's a, you know, something happens and they pull supply that it's never going to come back. So, again, it doesn't matter. Uh, The stuff with China, um, you know, there's a lot of negativity in the market. And I think basically, you know, know, honestly, I've been hearing about China since COVID, that they're dead, they're never kind of... uh, uh, and nothing's happened. So China, I discard completely. But I think basically the problem is not the problem, but the real in the in the quote unquote real economy, right? You have the US running a two trillion dollar deficit. Two trillion dollars, two thousand billion, right? That is not deflationary and that is not gonna cause a recession, whatever people think. And even if you have interest rates now at 5%, or even if they go high, it's not gonna cause a recession. A lot of big companies basically sold their debt at like, you know, um, less than half a percent. So I, I don't think, I don't think, you know, small firms maybe, but I don't see where the risk of basically a downturn is going to come from. And I think, you know, you're seeing the S&P get to new highs. I think we're going to go substantially higher, 5,900, something like that. I think, you know, it's it's an election year. There's wars happening, um, you know, in uh, Ukraine. There's a war in Gaza. Maybe now in Lebanon. These these are not deflationary things. These are basically spend, spend, spend. So when it comes to oil, basically, it's it's a question of not so much, you know, China is doing this much and, and demand is one plus one all this kind of stuff. But all this all this money that's there has to find a home, like, like us. I, I mean, I'd love to basically sit and do nothing for twelve months. But you've got to you've got to use your chips right so if you have your chips and you're you got earn
0: them, a crust
1: <laughs> yeah you got you got to basically bet on 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 the upside so that's what's going to happen people now are incredulous no maybe not let's see is it really worth it blah 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 but the more money comes in money flow is going to rule money's going to come in markets are going to go up even more money's going to come in markets going to go up and then people who haven't bought are going to say oh shit we might as well buy now and that market's going to go up so i i don't see I don't see the justification for, uh, you know, here we go, and it's going to be really bad and recession. There's just too much money. There's just too much money. Even the market is saying that the Fed is going to cut interest rates. And the Fed can't do anything. If they cut interest rates, it's inflationary. If basically they raise interest rates, it's inflationary. Why? Because there's so much debt. They're paying so much in terms of uh, uh, interest on that, that, that that itself is inflationary. There's even more money in the economy. So, the us is trapped and the world is trapped the only question is at what trajectory you know do we go up this way do we go up vertically or or, or and i think that's also an expression what bitcoin is trying to say to the market the only question is how high and how fast so i, I like
0: these markets we we want to we want to buy more andy you have the the luxury of not having to to sit at the edge of your seat every day now trading this kind of market but you would say uh, you know, given the start of the year with all of the context, OPEC should be quite happy at the moment. The oil suppliers, the oil exporters, 78 77 $76 average in January, the sort of weak window of the year is promising the outlook. How do you think OPEC sits at this time looking at all that's going on in the market balance? So, so
3: I think OPEC are probably a little bit worried about the U.S., because, you know, the U.S. is increasing their production and arguably becoming more dominant in the market in terms certainly in terms of just the, the absolute um, supply they have. Um, I think for many of them, even this is probably a little bit lower than they'd like it to be. Uh, you look at the the expansion plans in Saudi, there's no way that price oil price at this level can can create the cash flow they need to do what they want to do. So I think they will be concerned to the downside. I think for all the reasons, Omar said, there'll be some positivity. Um, I mean, coming back to the question you asked, Omar, I to me, it's the other way around. I don't see what the hook is to short sight. There's there's a lot of talk, but but there's nothing, it's just just well, you know, it's not very, it's probably not very good, but but actually it should go up, right? So to me, it's just there's no real impetus to the downside. So that will be positive to OPEC. I think there will be a whole conversation going in the background with people leaving. Is Russia really committed to OPEC Plus? How much, as as we kind of continue to mature, which is a bit of a bizarre thing to say about an oil industry that's been around for decades, as we continue to mature, how does OPEC retain a purpose? Because inevitably, it will change, it will change either because the West stopped pumping in the long run, or the West keeps pumping. And therefore, the percentage that OPEC has becomes less. So it's a real challenge for them in terms of the long term. In the short term, I think you're right, they'll be kind of okay, but I wouldn't have said comfortable.
0: Bora, perhaps Andy uh, doesn't see short optionality because he sits in the luxury of Dubai and certainly everything does seem very positive here. But if you were sitting closer to Sunderland like you are or some other British city, you might feel that this is a market to short. Your sense of where that sort of macro outlook is versus, I mean, it's malaise, it's not. uh, How do you see that quantitative easing? Is there any money left in that British Exchequer to pump
2: no i think uh, as you uh, pointed out the uk is in, in a particularly difficult um, conundrum because we we had the inflation report last week which came out at 4% actually it went up the rest of the world is talking about disinflation that's a new word i learned last year you know it's not um, deflation but it's disinflation whatever um but the UK inflation is going up it's zigzagging and um Andrew Bailey the uh the, the the uh leader of the Bank of England he indicated that um the growth outlook is also very poor for the UK economy that's and for Europe as a whole right? UK and in Europe is a funny place a uh, hard to uh interpret what the ECB really wants to accomplish, because they have been successful in disinflation, reducing the rate of inflation, but Germany is no longer the motor. The, Germany is is a laggard. And I think um, fundamentally, you know, uh, as you said, it, it, it depends where you sit. America looks um, like it is the master of its own destiny. Whatever they choose for themselves, they will be able to accomplish. Asia is uh, experiencing a industrial and intellectual revolution and gaining more confidence uh, by the month. I would say, and uh, it, it needs to do that quickly as well because they realize now that the existing world order led by America doesn't look out for them. But um, uh, for for Europe and the UK, I I I, I was impressed by the speech. Uh, that many other people panned, but I was impressed by its directness, the speech of the UK's uh, Minister of Defense, Grant Shapps last week, where he just uh, very boldly uh, said that he sees the, the, the rest of this decade uh, being one where co- uh, theaters of conflict uh, multiply around the world fr- fr- from the Middle East and U- Ukraine to other areas of the world. And that the era of the peace dividend is over. That's what, you know, the peace dividend that W. Bush's father, George Bush, promised us all a peace dividend at the end of the Cold War. That's over. And that uh, 2024 is an inflection point. So that to me, it means that um, there's not a lot of uh, spending on uh, public services and uh, social programs. Certainly, governments will be looking to to raise taxes in Europe where they can. And and the United States and and, uh, particularly Donald Trump have been wagging a very uh, bold finger at the Europeans saying, you must spend more on your own defense. You can't rely on us. So that will mean a sort of rebalancing or um, uh, reallocation of resources from the social sectors to the Defense sectors. It will be very bullish for certain, uh, per- perhaps industrial interests, the military-industrial complex. But I think a- a- at the end of the day, it will squeeze the European consumer.
0: Omar, I mean, by defense stocks by the sounds of it. I, I mean, the the um, one of the interviews or panel discussions I watched last week uh, at Davos. Uh, Speaking to Bora's point was with the finance minister of um, of Germany, and he was asked about how should Europe prepare for a possible second Trump presidency. Uh, And one of the things he said was, you know, you know, make sure we get our our NATO payments up to date, uh, 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 the two percent average, if you like. I mean, as you point out, all of these factors are inflationary. Uh, yeah, man. Are,
1: uh,
2: uh, yeah, Omar. yep yeah. go ahead, Omar.
1: So basically, look, if 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 uh, I mean Germany's worried about the wrong thing, right? So they're completely they're they're deindustrializing. You have the rise of the AfD, which is a right wing party. So and the reason is that basically Nord Stream, they used to get gas so cheaply that they used to basically have a multiplier, which was like they used to pay like I think. Um, like twenty billion dollars for gas, and they used to leverage that up to two trillion dollars uh, of uh, sales. So, um, you know, that's gone forever. Forget about Germany, and forget about basically what those what 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 what, what those ministers are saying. Whatever the, the whole government. But also does that.
0: when you combine to that the the technology deficit that they have on their critical. Export product of automobiles. they I mean, regardless of the price of energy, they've just missed the boat on EVs. I mean, whether energy is a buck or a hundred bucks, they've missed that boat. Yeah, but but basically what
1: happens is they become uncompetitive. They if you know Germany, Europe, the UK, all their economies are suffering because of all these sanctions, right? So who's benefiting? You have Russia and you have the US. So I mean, it's it's really simple, and and this is why you'll see all these governments in 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 Europe basically get thrown out, because obviously you know the, the people there are feeling the uh, feeling the pinch. So in terms of in terms of uh, th- th- that's the problem basically when when you have a when you have a, an empire basically that's that's failing, you get basically the U.S. that eats everybody else it eats all its children it eats the europe it eats the uk blah 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 in order to survive longer and longer so uh, you know in terms of uh, in terms of anything to do with uh, you know um investment going forwards the the u.s has really really massive problems it has massive fiscal problems g debt to gdp is 120 percent you have de-dollarization which has started and basically, if they confiscate this money, if they actually take the money they've, they've confiscated, if they actually take the money... I suppose it's, uh, it's,
0: it's at some point, you know, we all have to say the, the king has no clothes until that day the dollar has value, I suppose, in one moment to the next it doesn't. Uh, Andy, I just wanted to pick you up on the point you made earlier that the market turns back to the fundamentals of supply and demand. And yet, at the same token, obviously, you're indicating that, 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 that there is a that it's not a market for shorting. It's a, you know, There's no reason to short this market. But if you take the analogy of the basics of supply and demand, this market should be lower, no? I mean, there's 5 to 7 million barrels of idle supply in the market. There's there's It would take a, a major moment to, to see where a deficit would come from. I mean, on that point, the geopolitics is keeping this price up.
3: No, you, you are absolutely correct. I think that the reality is I don't remember a reasonable period of time in the history I've been in the oil industry where oil was priced at effectively what it should be priced at, which is the next marginal barrel. Typically, it's always moving around because of other stuff. Um, I think it is just the the, the reality is that... Um, there's an enormous number of participants in the market and essentially the price goes where the average person in the market thinks it should be. Um, it's driven by lots of things. Fundamentals is one of them. Fundamentals to me puts a floor or a cap on it. Doesn't actually set necessarily set the absolute price. What sets the absolute price is emotion. And that's kind of what Omar talking about when he talks about technicals. It's actually just... The technicals give you the sense of where everybody is, given that nobody has all the information, nobody has all the news. It's just the emotion of the market. So to me, the fundamentals create the shape, but the absolute level is just kind of where you want to sell, where you want to buy. It's a bit like, how do you value a car? Well, it's how much does somebody want to pay for it? It's it's almost as simple as that.
0: I one of the more profound statements, insightful or guiding statements in January that I've heard uh, in the beginning of the year was was from Mike Muller in our Global Energy Outlook forum day when he said, it's been a long time that there's been so much oil available from so many different places uh, uh, all at the same time. Uh, That's certainly a sense of this market at the moment.
3: No, I think that that's absolutely right. Although it's available that doesn't necessarily people want, say people want to take it. So you take Russian oil, for example, if you look at the totality, we've got plenty of oil. However, some of that oil is in the wrong place and is going somewhere that actually economically, it shouldn't be going. And that's because of the sanctions, right? So, so the sanctions will have an impact on the oil market, it doesn't they were never intended to cut Russian oil out. They were intended to reduce the amount of revenue that went to, to Russia. The consequence of that is that the flows have changed and therefore the pricing changes.
0: But, but not yeah, necessarily so an efficient, oil,
3: but not necessarily what people want to buy.
0: Let's take the survey question, which is reflecting on the point of, of rates. Uh the the dampening outlook on rate cuts coming in first half of 24 will be bullish or bearish for oil prices. The the idea that a few weeks ago there was a market expectation of a mass of six or seven rate cuts in 24, which in order to get to that number you literally you'd have to have a depression, never mind a recession, and that's hardly good news. Um, But the dampening outlook on rate cuts coming in the first half of 24, i.e. they aren't going to happen, will that be bullish or bearish for oil prices? The fact that the price of money will remain higher for longer, is that bullish or bearish for oil prices? Your thoughts on that question, Bora, uh, 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 and where 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 that goes from the point of view of, as you you mentioned the 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 UK central banks views on on the market at the moment. The Fed came out quite str- well. One of the Fed officials, San Francisco Fed, uh, came out over the weekend, sort of once again hammering the point. The markets got ahead of itself. What do you think is the outlook of where rates go now and the markets alignment and what it means for for oil prices and the oil demand if you
2: like i i think at at least in the u.s the fed would like to keep the rates um, at this level for as long as they can and you know they were looking for a soft landing and clearly the u.s has landed on a bed of roses because they have this um you know biden election pamphlet uh headlines unemployment at lowest rates ever basically in the three and a half percent range I've never heard of that in my life that's fantastic for America uh inflation at around three and a half percent it's better than the UK they can say we're doing better than other major economies and um there's just a lot of uh public spending going on which so is where do you think the market the at. market
0: where Bora where do you think I mean I was quite confused as to where the market got that expectation of that scale of rate cuts. I mean, what was that? What house was that built on? What stack of cards were they putting on top of each other to come to even four better cuts, mind six or seven. I mean, what's the logic there?
2: I I think there is certain pressure on um, levered areas of the economy. um, Particularly, sort of this commercial real estate uh, concern that's been out there for some time. I've been hearing worries about major uh, commercial real estate portfolios in the U- U- U.S. For, for, for quite a while. And and the American consumer remains quite uh, levered, but I think something's happening there. I- I'm not sitting in the U.S., but there's some generous uh, I mean, restructuring ultimately, terms Ultimately,
0: there. I think they would have to uh, be seeing some massive unemployment coming in, in the headlights that they were going to try and get out in front of in order to make those amount of rate cuts
2: uh, So the, 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 the point is that there is you know plenty of buffer to handle any major shock at least to the U.S economy.' They've, they've got you know five and a half percentage points they could cut to get to where they used to be at free money. And, um, you know, we're having a war in the Middle East uh, and it's proliferating around the world. And the UK's defence minister officially says he expects these conflicts to pr- proliferate around the world. That would be bearish for sorry, b- bullish for oil prices, but it's not having much of an effect. Um, and, and, and certainly at the moment, the, 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 the Fed is going to keep uh, rates higher for longer which I, which lead us to believe that the rate policy isn't going to help the, the oil price.
0: Omar, your thoughts on that as a closing comment. Do, do, does it matter if the Fed backs away from the market's expectation of cuts?
1: <laughs> okay, so basically the Fed right now is paying a trillion dollars for defense and a trillion dollars on uh, interest payments, right? That's two trillion dollars, right? So the Fed is stuffed like, you know, better than a Christmas turkey. The Fed is going to cut rates because it cannot afford either to keep them where they are, especially because it has massive debt issuance that's to come, and it's going to cut rates because it wants to cut that trillion because that trillion is just going to go up simply based if it keeps rates where they are on the debt issuance that's coming. So the Fed is going to cut, S&P is going to rise, oil is going to go up, Inflation is, you know, inflation is 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 what they say it is, right? They can just make up the number, make up the number how by deciding what's in um, what's in the CPI, right? So we take out energy, we take out schools, we take out everything, but you know, we keep the, you know, the price of the, a loaf of bread. So uh, no, I think basically the Fed is going to cut. I think the market knows that the Fed can't raise rates; that they have to cut. And it's just a question of time. And I think this is what you're seeing. The markets front run that. You're seeing the S&P front run that. You're going to see tech stocks front run that. And um, I think, uh, you know, markets are are inflationary. So the, the USD is going to head lower against other fiat currencies and against basically the price of oil, the price of other commodities. And OPEC now has transformed. It's gone from OPEC, OPEC plus to BRICS, right? So all the major oil producers are members of BRICS. And I think what you're seeing is a... And the, and
0: the major oil consumers, i.e. India. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think basically what you're seeing is you're seeing
1: that pricing power, that, that narrative control disappear from, uh, from the West. And don't forget, these guys... So we're playing with the price of oil, buy a little, sell a little, make a little bit of money, lose a little bit of money. These guys, the Russia, China, US, Europe, oil, they're playing for like the globe, right? And, and, and it's all shifted. It's gone basically to the side of the BRICS. So um, I, I, think, I think that means basically that OPEC becomes BRICS and becomes higher oil prices simply because the West is a consumer. So higher oil prices, higher commodity prices, all that kind of stuff and, and i i, I have
0: to say i on the rate side i would just wrap up as i i don't see how the fed cuts uh from here uh, uh unless without unemployment being significantly challenged this is an election year in the united states and the last thing the fed needs or wants to do is jump into the middle of supporting what could be a very you know unless there's very hard evidence to support the sitting president versus the Trump uh, candidate. I mean, it's just a messy place. You're going to have to need some hard evidence to jump in the middle of that fight and say, uh, yellow card, three basis points are three cuts down. Uh, that's my sense. It's not so much the dynamics, but the politics now are a big factor. Uh, and you're going to need really hard evidence if you're the Fed to jump in the middle of this fight. That's my pennies worth, Andrew Laven, lovely to see you. Welcome back. Happy New Year, Omar. As year as always, it's not Monday morning unless we get a good bark from Omar. Bora, thank you so Oh, just dropped off. The- <laughs> 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 this is like a collapsing market. Bora, thank you so much. Have a great day, week, everybody. Catch up every morning, 10.30. All the thank best. Thank you Cheers. very much.